What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, or the mobile version of it. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. So glad to be with you on another wonderful evening. Man, if you didn't go out today and just take a walk for like five minutes or go to the grocery store and just take your time walking in or whatever, man, you wasted the day. This is such a beautiful day. I've said this before. These are the days why you live in Houston. I mean, you've got to love it. It's another Colts week. Yeah, two weeks after the other one. I was trying to think of, man, have we ever had that situation where we played the Colts in particular? Like, I, I, we've done this with the Titans. We did it last year, where we played the Titans in week 15 and then week 17. So we've done it against the Titans. I don't know if we've done it against the Jags. But this is the first time I can remember it happening with the Colts because it's typically a September or early October and then December. The only time that I could think of was back in 2018 when we played them in week 14 and then played them in the playoff game, the wild card round, which essentially would have been week 18. And that was four weeks in between. This, one week in between. Week, uh, well, in between. Two weeks from last time we played the Colts. So it will be in Lucas Oil Stadium where we have had some really amazing wins, which is kind of weird to say, because had I said that in 2014, well, I couldn't say it in 2014, but we had one in 2015, the first one ever. 2016, we duplicated that. 2018, went up there and won one of the best NFL games I've seen, 37-34 in overtime against the Colts. Uh, Kaimi Fairbairn knocking one home, near the end of overtime. I think it was the last play of the game, actually, in overtime. So there have been some doozies up there. Last year's game up there, 30-23, to is a weird game because as it's going on and the Colts are doing some good things, I'm like, nah, look, we're okay. They're not going to beat us. Not today. No, no way. They're, they're, they're not that good. They're just not going to happen. Jacoby Brissett's not going to, oh, yeah, okay, he's playing pretty well. Man, golly, he's making a lot of completions. Yeah, man, he's putting some points up on the board. But even at 30-23, to 23, the Texans had the ball at the end of the game. I thought, look, they're going to drive down. They're going to score a touchdown, kick the extra point, go in overtime, kick a field goal, and win this sucker. But it just didn't happen. Texans ran out of timeouts, uh, had to rush at the end. Then it was an interception. Like I've said, every game dating back to 2013, pro- after 2013, Minus the playoff game, every game has been a one-score game. A one-score game. And the one in Houston just recently should have been a one-score Well, it ended up being a one-score game. It was 26-20, but it should have been a Texans victory, 27-26. But I digress. It's time to look ahead to this matchup against the Colts. The Colts coming off a big second-half blowout of the Raiders. And the Raiders defense coordinator... Paul Gunther got fired after that game, and I could completely see why after watching it. But, man, that's on the Raiders, though. This is the Colts. They have done a really nice job. They did a really nice job in that game of getting space and separation, not only in the passing game, but in the run game, too. That's really where they got gashing, gaping holes that Jonathan Taylor, the rookie running back from Wisconsin, and he's really turning into... And NFL back, that's where he really took advantage. So we got a lot to talk about tonight. Mark's going to join us uh, for our Men Behind the Mics segment with Matt Taylor. 
I don't know if we got a chance to do it on a Wednesday, I think, because things were all jumbled up for that week. We kind of had to move things around. And so I think Mark ended up playing that interview with Matt Taylor on a Thursday. But we'll have the part two of that interview, if you will, coming up tonight. Mark will also join me. We'll hear from, uh, we'll go behind enemy sidelines tonight with DP Sidhu. We'll go in the lab. Drew Doherty and I, with in the lab this week, we were totally and completely unsure what to do. We we looked at each other on Zoom for like five minutes and went, I we don't have any idea. And then all of a sudden, Drew goes, I got it. And then we had one of our better in the lab podcasts. So you'll hear that as well. We'll have some Texans audio jukebox. So we got a little bit of everything for you. So let's kick it off with our hot reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. You just got to get to geico.com. And at the holidays, why not save 15% on, on anything? Save you some money for the holidays or whatever the case might be. So geico.com will take care of you. So on a Wednesday, it's the first opportunity for the media to meet with some key figures, and that means Romeo Cronell. So let's get to some Texans audio jukebox rack style. Yeah, we'll have some a little bit later in the show uh, in which we talk to J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson. In fact, Romeo Cronell was asked about Deshaun. This has been a topic I'm... I'm I, I mean, I'm trying to like wrap my brain around this thing, and I mean, I, I look, I get it, I really do understand it that you don't want anything of a football tragic nature to happen to Deshaun to hamstring the 2021 season. Like, I completely get that, but you still got games to play, and you. The spirit of the game, the spirit of competition, you want to see Deshaun in those games. There's no doubt. But such it's been a hot topic, Romeo Cornell was asked about Deshaun in these next three games. My deal is we're in this game. We play this game to win, and there's a season to be played. And if you shut down Watson, then should you shut down the rest of the team and everybody pack up and go home with three games left? You know, uh, and we're in the NFL and there are certain rules about playing. Uh, I think that probably if you shut down your team and left and didn't play the games, there'd be a tremendous fine involved. Uh, so we're going to play the games, and we're going to try to win as many as we can. Amen, Rack. Amen. And look, let me reiterate. I do not want to see Deshaun Watson get hurt. I completely understand where people are coming from, but I just don't think you're going to be able to pry Deshaun Watson off that field come hell or high water. Now, Two guys, unfortunately, that are due to injuries being put on IR and you will not see for the rest of the year are Justin Reed and Brandon Dunn. Unfortunately, those two guys, not only excellent players, excellent in the community, we know all of that, but they're great leaders. Rack was asked about missing those two guys for the rest of the season. Anytime you lose, you know, your starters who are good players, it has an impact. Um, we have to kind of count on the guys we have available to step up and uh, try to fill that void. Uh, and that's all that we could do at this point. Uh, and so uh, some of those guys that you mentioned will get uh, more playing time and have more opportunity to show what they can do. Well, I should just let Romeo Cornell run this radio show because that's exactly where we're going with this. You have some young guys 
that need to step up and show what they can do. This is a key evaluation period. There's no preseason games to evaluate them. So now you've got these games right now on top of hopefully the four they'll play in the preseason in 2021 to get them ready for regular season 2021. So here's what Rack had to say about getting some young guys on the field to be able to evaluate them. When you talk about playing young guys, the young guys that, that we've drafted, basically all of those guys have played. They've been playing, you know. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know. I mean, on the other side of the ball, we might be able to play more guys to, to take a look at them. But, um, but I think that we have who we have, and, and as we go along, we will adapt as best we can. One of the unfortunate aspects of the last couple of weeks have been the sacks that Deshaun has taken, especially in the last three halves, the full game against the Bears and then the second half against the Colts. Now, I've said this a million times, Make sure I say this clearly. Sacks are on everybody. Everybody. Everybody plays a role in that. Receivers got to get to their spots. They've got to get themselves open. Sean's got to get rid of the football. And the offensive line has got to make sure that they communicate. They know what the protection is. And then they go about making sure that they win those one-on-one blocks to allow Deshaun to throw the football on time to the receivers that have gotten open. It's a it's a 360-degree situation when it comes to sacks. Not all on the offensive line, not all on the quarterback, not all on the wide receivers, but when it's a sack, it's a team sack. Now, it might be one guy getting beat up front. It might be one wide receiver that runs the wrong route. It might be one bit of communica- uh, miscommunication. But it all goes down as a sack. So Rack, of course, was asked, Are those sacks worrisome at this point of the year, in particular because you're about to face one of the better pass rushes in the league again in Indianapolis? Uh, Yes, I'm definitely concerned about that because, one, you don't want to give up sacks. Two, you know, as we mentioned, you talk about your quarterback getting beat up. uh, You don't want that to happen. Uh, I think that, um, like you say, everybody is kind of involved, but most of it is on the offensive line because they're the ones who are – are tasked with the responsibility to protect the quarterback. Um, and so we will continue to work to try to improve it. Uh, I think that if we don't get behind in games, that that will help it because then we still have the offense available to us. Sometimes when you get behind in games and you have to throw all the time, your opponent knows that you have to throw and then they don't worry about the run and then they just come after your quarterback. So we have to do a better job overall of uh, establishing a run, keeping the score manageable, so that that gives us a better chance to protect the quarterback. Now, the catch-22 of the situation as it pertains to sacks is the fact that the one thing offensively that the Texans do extremely well is throw the football. I mean, Deshaun has been phenomenal this year. Last night, uh, I did a show, and I do a show each and every Tuesday night called Texans Replay, and I decided over the last three episodes, one would be a retrospective on the year, and then I had two other shows last night's and then the next week's, in which I wanted to feature a player who's had a tremendous year. And so I figured the two most obvious ones have been J.J. Watt on the defensive side and Sean Watson. So I was going through and I was playing, and usually I'd try and fit that into a segment I call the Ultimate Eleven, but Deshaun had so many plays, especially throwing plays, I thought, man, I got too much here. That's the kind of year that he's had. Now, that's just a 
weird way of kind of saying, yeah, he's been phenomenal. The numbers prove it out. Put Throw on the film, it proves it out. I mean, you can just see everything about it. You asked Deshaun, we did a Verizon event, and hopefully you guys got a chance to see that little snippet we put out on the social media. Of And that was just five minutes of it. We went for a full hour with Deshaun, and you just feel it. You know it. Everything just seems to come together um, for him and has come together in the passing game. But on the flip side, they're giving up some sacks, so it's a little bit worrisome. So Rack was asked today about the fact that they are giving up sacks because they're having to throw more because, well, that's what Deshaun does really well, and that's what they're good at. Well, I think that that has something to do with John um, because we know that what he's capable of and we've had success throwing the ball. Uh, and not as much success running the ball. And and so uh, sometimes when you are doing something that you feel is successful, you keep doing it. And I think that's been the case with us this year uh, is we've been throwing a lot more than we've been running. Now, typically I would do a hot read in which we break down some of the transactions, but I just mentioned Brandon Dunn and Justin Reed a little while ago. They're both going on IR. The other transaction was that David Johnson – has been activated to and activated from, excuse me, the COVID-19 reserve list. Now, that doesn't mean, as Rack pointed out here, that he is exactly ready to go. Uh, he'll be back in the building today, uh, but he'll be working with uh, the trainers um, because he's been off for a while and they don't want to throw him out there and practice, you know, without uh, trying to get him up to speed. Because of some of those issues at running back, the Texans went out and got Dontrell Hilliard, signed him. Here's what Rack had to say about him. Yeah, basically uh, a third down back who's been a returner, uh, has um, some quickness, change of direction, uh, has an opportunity to, uh, to be more productive maybe in the kickoff return area, uh, and then in the third down area as a third down back out of the backfield. The running backs are definitely banged up, no doubt about it. The receivers are banged up as well, I guess. I mean, we lost Will Fuller. Kenny Stills was released. Durano Cobb's dealing with something that's going to probably keep him on IR for the rest of the year. So it's been tough. And Brandon Cooks, the fourth member of that, has been dealing with a foot and a neck that he injured against the Indianapolis Colts, was unable to go last week against the Chicago Bears, Rack gave an update today on Brandon Cooks. Today is the first day that we get a chance to look at him, you know, because uh, we didn't practice on Monday and they were off on Tuesday. So today is, will be his first day in the building and, uh, and we'll have to see how he does at practice and what his reps look like. Uh, so tomorrow, uh, our next time we talk, I'll be better able to answer that for you. Well... Let's end our Romeo Cornell Texas Audio Jukebox and move to our injury report and see in full what that meant for Brandon Cooks. It didn't mean limited participation today, dealing with a neck. Now, it's not saying foot anymore. It's just saying neck. So hopefully that's a step in the right direction. He's not dealing with that foot injury anymore. But Brandon Cooks, a limited participant in practice. Other limited participants today, Philip Gaines, Duke Johnson, C.J. Proceis, hence that whole running back thing a little while ago, and John Reed. Gaines and Reed did not travel with those injuries to Chicago, and obviously the defensive secondary was stretched about as far as it possibly could go. Now, those are limited participants. Farrell Brown was back in a full capacity. There were three DMPs. 
David Johnson did not participate. It says not injury-related, which we already mentioned. He came back. He worked with the trainers to get himself up to speed. Cornell Armstrong did not participate. Another corner. So on our injury report, we have one, two, three, three corners. And we were already down two with Roby and Conley. So it's been tough. Cornell Armstrong with a hamstring. And I know I'm going to screw up this name, and I, and I should be able to do it. But Jolte Froholt. I tried, man. I really did. That's the best I can do. I haven't had to say it all year. But he's actually an offense, interior offensive line with some promise. But he was out, though not injury-related uh, as well. The Colts, well, they've got a few. Moali Cox, Trey Burton, two tight ends. Dealing with knee issues. Anthony Costanzo is still on a DMP list with a knee. And Philip Rivers with a toe, but I would imagine Philip will be back. Justin Houston, Deneka Autry, they were both given veteran rest days. Other than that, everybody back at practice for the Colts to get ready for this one against the Texans. All right, those are your hot reads. Brought to you by Geico. Visit geico.com to get 15% off car insurance. It'll take you less than 15 minutes. All right, when we get back... We're going behind enemy sidelines with DP Sudu with Laura Overton, team reporter for the Colts, right here on Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Apache Corporation. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now here's the show. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. It's time to go behind enemy sidelines with D.P. Sidhu. And this week, she is joined by her good friend and an excellent team reporter for the Colts, Laura Overton. D.P., take it away. This week on Enemy Sidelines, presented by Microsoft Teams, Lara Overton, team reporter for the Indianapolis Colts. She joins me once again. It feels like just yesterday, Lara, that we were talking, but really it was just a few weeks ago. And... Not a lot's changed, but here we are again. Colts versus the Texans, this time up in Indy. That loss for the Texans was a tough one to swallow. And I think on the other side, what did that win mean for the Colts? Well, I first have to clarify that I'm not taunting the Texans with the photo of T.Y. <laughs> over my shoulder. That's been there for several days. I put that up there. And so it was not immediately before this segment was recorded, I promise. So the Colts really took into Houston, a playoff-like mindset. We hear that all the time, you know, that you get into the month of December and you do have that mentality that each and every week you're fighting for to keep yourself alive for the next week that follows. So they have maintained that mindset. They came out of the loss to Tennessee with a chip on their shoulder, knowing they had back-to-back really tough road games against one a conference opponent in Las Vegas and, of course, the divisional opponent in Houston – facing the Texans twice in a stretch of three weeks. And that game, I mean, that was a nail-biter for the Colts. You're putting all of your faith in your defense at the end of that game to come up with a play. And one of the things that we learned after the game was that Grover Stewart had picked something up 
uh, over the course of the game. And there was a particular like stunt that he wanted to run that he wanted to utilize in that position. He relayed that to Matt Eberflus and Flus put him in a position to execute it. And that's what changed the game. You know, what led to the Anthony Walker fumble recovery. And, you know, one of the things is, you look at that game and and post uh, that week, that matchup between the Texans and Colts in Houston. And now the next week has gone in different directions for each. The Colts have a, another win, a big one over the Raiders and the Texans coming off, off a loss. But what maintains from that is this immense respect that the Colts have for the Houston Texans. You and I have talked about at the end of the game, the moment where T.Y. Holton went up and consoled Deshaun Watson, that show of, of immense respect I know that the, this coaching staff has great respect to for the Texans and week in and week out the resilience that they have proven based on all of the circumstances, the numerous adversities and challenges that you guys have faced in 2020. So for the Indianapolis Colts, you feel like you're in the driver's seat to maintain a push to the playoffs, to stick, to extend play out of the regular season, but there is no room for error. There's no ability to let your foot off the gas with the games you have remaining. Houston is always going to play you tough, whether that is at Energy Stadium or if that's at Lucas Oil Stadium. So they're very much and taking, again, same thing this week. Again, this is a playoff-like mindset. We are playing for our lives in 2020 to try to extend this season as far as possible because the AFC is tough this year. I mean, everyone is clawing their way in. I mean, look at the showdown you saw on Monday Night Football. I mean, my gosh, that just is an indication of how tough it is to get into the postseason in the AFC in 2020. And the Colts are very much fighting to keep those playoff hopes alive. Yeah, nine and four and four and nine. I think some of the, the best battles that these two teams have had is when they're both sort of clawing to get their way into the playoffs and for division lead. Unfortunately, Texans mathematically eliminated. And I was going to ask you what the Colts uh, vision is facing the Texans in the rematch. And I, I think you're right. I think it's important obviously for them to, to sort of win out and solidify their position. Let me ask you about the guy on the wall behind you that you alluded to earlier, T.Y. Hilton, because before the Texans game against the Titans, that was his first touchdown of the year. He gets another one against the Texans, and then he scores two in last week's win over the Raiders. So when you and I spoke last, it was tough sledding for T.Y. Hilton and Phillip Rivers and getting that chemistry going. What's really changed? Has the chemistry just gotten better? Has he just gotten healthier? Has the offensive scheme changed a little bit? What, what is it that's making T.Y. Hilton really take off the way he has in recent weeks? I think it's, it's a great question. And it's something that when I, when I talk to Philip Rivers, when we hear from him week in and week out, he had reiterated that in practice that, you know, they're on the same page, they're clicking and it just had yet to transpire. And there was some frustration from the point you can feel it for T.Y. You want him to have, I mean, that's from, you know, all around that's, from the fan base, that's on a coaching perspective, that's within the team, because everyone saw T.Y. is putting in the work, T.Y. is putting in the time, he and Philip were clicking in practice, and you just had yet to see it come to fruition in a game, and one of the things that I, I think led to a bit of a breakout that you've seen from T.Y., we're seeing him play the best he has since 2018, and part of it is that Philip Rivers, even in those opportunities when maybe T.Y.'s numbers and production hadn't been where we've been used to seeing it, T.Y. was, or excuse me, Philip was distributing the ball to so many different receivers. I mean, 9, 10, 11 guys who he would get passes to any given week. So it started to be that they were spreading the ball around 
so well. It was only a matter of time before you just weren't going to be able to keep everybody covered all the time. And and that game against Tennessee, you saw the big chunk play. You saw him. I mean, it was very vintage T.Y., a little toe drag in the end zone for the touchdown grab. And I think he really did build a lot of momentum and some confidence off of that. And you know the way that he plays in Houston. It's It's just that mindset that he has where he loves to play in that environment. And so he was able to keep that rolling. And one of the things I, I believe also that has opened things up for TY is the complimentary run game that we've seen, especially with Jonathan Taylor and the production that he is having. I don't want to say that he was having rookie struggles. Like that's not it at all, but you did not see the rushing attack and numbers that you saw in 2019. And so it just kind of took a while collectively for this offense to really see that ground game get going like they anticipated that it would, like they wanted to see it going. So that's the thing is when you do start to see the production from your running backs, and then that's just kind of continuing to open up the playbook for, for T.Y. Hilton. And he's a tough guy. Once he gets rolling, he's a tough guy to contain. Yeah, we've certainly seen that firsthand. Uh, let me ask you about Jonathan Taylor, because uh, the last time we chatted, it was him, it was Hines. They were both sort of splitting the carries, but he's really coming off of a standout performance, especially in that uh, win against the Raiders, 150 yards, rushing two touchdowns. Has he solidified himself as a three-down back? Are the Colts looking at at him possibly as the guy? And what happens next year when Marlon Mack comes back? Is there starting? Is there a little bit of that discussion going on? Well, of course, also, when you talk about Jonathan Taylor's production in 2020, he's one of just four rookies this season to have multiple 100-yard rushing games. And then he's the first Colts rookie to have multiple 100-yard rushing games uh, since Joseph Adai back in 2006, a guy who was integral to your um, Super Bowl team back then in that season. So one of the things you look to is I do think that he has solidified himself as that bell cow back, so to speak. That's always the verbiage that you hear in terms of the guy who is getting the bulk of the carries. I do think that the Colts will very much continue to mix things up because it's a priority to have Naheem Hines in position to make some plays um, and use him in you know some of those pass catching roles as well. We've seen Jonathan Taylor also get his hands on the ball in the receiving game as well. And that's one of the things that has really diversified his ability and his production within this offense. One thing worth noting that you do have to think about for Marlon Mack is that he's in a contract year. So it is going to be interesting to see what happens in the offseason. He's continuing to, to um, make great progress. He posted a video the other day where he was up and running on the treadmill as he comes back from that torn Achilles. So there are a lot of questions surrounding the future of this running back position. So it's going to be interesting to see what unfolds. I can tell you that Marlon Mack is a very highly respected, very well admired, highly regarded teammate and just guy in the organization. So he is certainly someone who is looked upon as a great leader in this locker room. Jonathan Taylor relies heavily on Marlon Mack's perspective, Marlon has come in and he's sat in on meetings when he's able, while he's juggling his own rehab, when he's able to provide perspective, tried to jump in and do so to help guide Jonathan Taylor. So this is a great situation where you feel like those two guys in a one-two punch or what Frank Reich likes to call a one-one punch because he thinks they're both deserving of number one back distinction. There's a ton of promise for what those guys bring in terms of being a tandem on the field that you would like to see that if it's able um, to come to fruition in 2021, there were high hopes for what that would look like in 2020. Unfortunately, losing Marlon 
due to the injury, but certainly Jonathan Taylor is proving his reliability that we saw coming out of the University of Wisconsin. All right, this uh, Colts offense against the Texans in the second half, scoreless. They come back out against the Raiders. Had such a great win, 44-27, that the Raiders fired their defensive coordinator after the game, Paul Gunther. So that leads us to our next-gen stat presented by AWS. The Colts actually rank fifth in the NFL in points per game. They're averaging 28.6 points per game. So let's start with Phillip Rivers. I mean, has is he playing the best football you've seen so far this year? Was the Raiders game just an anomaly? Uh, what do you see him taking from that game and carrying forward for the next three weeks? I really point to Philip did not have a great game at Cleveland. That loss to the Browns, I see as a really, as a pivotal point for this offense. And after the game, it was interesting. And, and DP, you know, hearing Philip Rivers press conferences as long as we have in the, in the NFL, I don't think anything surprises you because he's a guy who offers a lot up typically. And he was incredibly candid in that conversation um, a week later, a couple, he was after it was a week removed from the Cleveland game from that loss. When he admitted he went back and he read what all of the beat writers were writing. And he said, you know, if, 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 if Rivers stinks it up, you guys better write Rivers stunk it up, you know, and he didn't play well. And so he looked at all that and he was like, you know what? They're, they're right. I didn't, didn't play up to my standard. I didn't play up to the Colts standard. I didn't play to the standard that we practice within. And he channeled all of that and then has put this team in such great position offensively. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers on Sunday against Oakland, 19 of 28 passing for 244 yards and two touchdowns, a 118, almost 119 passer rating. And that's been really consistent with where his production has been um, leading up to the bye, coming out of that loss to Cleveland. And then afterwards, it's continued to be at that same level. He's distributing the ball very, very well. Um, and it, a couple of things to keep in mind as well. He's played games where he's been out his starting center. We've had rotation at left tackle because Anthony Costanzo has that MCL sprain. And then you saw uh, LaRaven Clark come in. LaRaven Clark in the game against the Texans goes down with a torn ACL. You're on your third left tackle in Chaz Green. So then when Anthony Costanzo goes out in the game against Oakland, they move Quentin Nelson over to left tackle. So you think about how impressive it is. Phillip Rivers, not just kind of collectively the numbers he's putting up, but especially to the turnovers that he's avoiding and doing so with some rotation on that offensive line, having some different guys mixing in or guys sliding over into different positions. But to me, I really look to that point that lost to the Browns as being a pivotal point for this offense and for Phillip. I mean, you think about as well, he came in on, on a one-year deal. It's a one-year, you know, as you call it, prove it type of contract. And a lot of people, you know, were looking to, oh, is this the right move for the Colts of all the free agent quarterbacks who are out there in the 20 in 2020 free agency? Oh, man, we're going to see how this plays out. When you look at the situation now, I think it would be tough to find a lot of Indianapolis Colts fans who would not put their support behind wanting to see Philip Rivers back as an Indianapolis Colt in 2021. Well, you enjoy his press conferences. I always enjoy his mic'd up. So I think that you guys should mic him up as often as possible. I saw JJ Watt chatting with him at the game here at Energy Stadium. And I I, I, I whispered to the person next to me I, from six feet away. I said, I wish it was a mic on him because I really want to know what those two are talking about because I bet it's hilarious. I bet it's really funny. And JJ Watt does say that that's some of the most entertaining trash talk on the field comes from 
Philip Rivers. <laughs> he never about- disappoints and he always does it without no. cursing. We, that's the great. That's thing the amazing part. Yes. From the production department, our job is made easier because we don't have to edit or bleep anything out. It's just a, a lot of gosh, <laughs> gosh, darn it. Gosh, darn it. Golly geez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Let's talk about this Colts defense because you mentioned, mentioned injuries on the offensive line, but the defense has also suffered through its share of injuries. No Darius Leonard, no Xavier Rhodes. What can you tell us about those two? I know that they mean a lot to that Colts defense. Oh, they certainly do. And you saw the impact when they went out in that loss or in that loss in, in the uh, win for Las Vegas. Thank you. Saying lost. I'm still not used to it. I actually earlier was recording something and I said Oakland. It's I think you said Oakland. Our, it's okay. It's all good. I think you get a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Good. I need <laughs> That's that. That's my own so personal. Anyway, life. in the win at Las Vegas, you did see Xavier Rhodes and you saw Darius uh, go out late in that game. And, you know, each, I mean, those guys are, are veteran guys, leaders within your defense. So Darius, they're really monitoring the, the back issue this week. Their first practice of the week will be on Wednesday. So we'll see what capacity he's able to practice in. Xavier Rhodes, it's a knee. So when we heard from Frank Reich on Monday afternoon, he said that those are situations that would be monitored over the course of the week. One thing to me that is encouraging is that neither of those guys were ruled out. They were both just questionable for the remainder of the game in Las Vegas. So not necessarily does that give you any medical uh, diagnosis or anything like that, but it is to me indicative of it's not as severe as those potentially could have been. So I would certainly look to very closely watching the injury um, reports over the course of the week with Darius with the back injury and Xavier Rhodes with the knee, because you talk about two of the most physical players on the field and you need those guys, you need those guys for this stretch. So, um, and they're also two, they're really, I mean, kind of the same thing with talking about your defense. When you talk about guys like JJ Watt and what he's battled through, it's tough to keep those guys off the field, right? Like they're, they want to be out there. They're such competitors. So it would take a lot for either of those guys or both of those guys to be sidelined um, in this game coming up against Houston, but it will be certainly something to really watch for. And they will be cautious in terms of monitoring their progress and being safe moving forward. All right. Good stuff, Lara. What are some of your storylines heading into Sunday's game? I know it's a big, a big week for the Colts as are the next remaining weeks as they look to make their playoff push. Well, certainly you're looking to Anthony Costanzo and looking at his availability moving forward and what that means for this offensive line. If he's unable or he ended up coming back in to that game, of course, he he left just for um, a drive or two with that offense was able to return. So that is encouraging. You do want to be sure that he continues to make that steady progress over the course of this week, because you don't just need him this week. You need him, you know, for these games remaining moving forward as well. So the health of Anthony Costanzo is certainly going to be something that, that we're continuing to watch. And basically it seemed like that there was a little bit of a tweak that he felt early on in the game at Las Vegas that just needed to be reinforced and that he came out after that felt pretty strong, but certainly you do want to be sure that he practices well and without limitation or with minimal limitation. I think the other thing is you mentioned this defense and how does Penny Moore come back and continue the performances that we've seen in back-to-back weeks? He had a pick on Deshaun Watson. He had the miraculous, so impressive one-handed interception in the end zone on Darren Waller picking off Derek Carr. I mean, that's just, I mean, one of the plays of the year. I think that's not even coming from my perspective as a Colts reporter. That's in everything I'm reading on social media, all of the chatter you're seeing nationally. And so for Kenny to be on um, this like stretch of games that he is on, and this defense is one that prides itself 
on takeaways. And we saw Kari Willis last week against the Raiders with a pick six as well. And they're going to need to continue that moving forward. So for me, a lot of focus on this defense and continuing to be really disruptive, play really fast and physical. You mentioned giving up among the fewest points allowed so far in the NFL, and you're going to need them to continue to just be as disruptive as they have been, especially in shutting down teams in the second half um, as we look through this stretch of December and hopefully a few more weeks after that. All right, great stuff there from DP and from Lair Overton of the Indianapolis Colts. When we get back, let's hear from the quarterback of your Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, met with the media today. We'll have that for you next on Texans All Access. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by AWS. Behind every incredible play are thousands of data points you might otherwise miss, such as a player's speed, field location, and movement patterns. The NFL uses AWS to process this large and complex data in real time. It's called next-gen stats, and with AWS machine learning and artificial intelligence technology, the NFL has developed ways to uncover deeper insights and expand the fan experience by offering a broader range of advanced stats and visualizations. Visit nextgenstats.nfl.com for all things stats. Next Gen Stats, powered by AWS. Now, here's the show. All right, folks, let's jump right back into the show and hear from Deshaun Watson, who met with the media earlier today. Talk around town among fans and media that you shouldn't play the rest of the season to keep you from getting hurt. Number one, what do you think about that? And number two, what would be your reaction if they came to you and told you they were going to do it? Uh, honestly, I, I, I don't know if me personally, my heart and just my gut would just be like, Hey, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, just cause of the passion and love of the game. Um, just being around my teammates and being out there on that field. I know, uh, there a lot of the fans and people are looking for, you know, future and, and things like that. But right now I live in kind of in the presence. I want to finish this season out strong. Um, I want to continue to get the reps, um, that I want to get to be able to continue to grow as a quarterback and as a, as a player and as a teammate. And I just want to, like I said, I just want to continue to finish the season out strong. So, um, you know, of course, you know, safety is always first, but at the same time, I, I want to finish these three games. Do, do you have things that you can still work on in games that don't mean anything as far as the playoff race? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Just me as a quarterback, me as my leadership, every rep, that I get is a, is a perfect opportunity for me to, to continue to build my trust and build the confidence as a quarterback and what I see as, as what defenses are trying to do to me, um, the different throws and different opportunities that we have. And, and that's what I'm, you know, kind of working on is, is trying to be, you know, craft myself and craft this team uh, and what we want to do in the future. Aaron Wilson. Hey, Deshaun, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Sean, with the, Coaching search and GM search, you go a lot of directions. I wanted to see what kind of feedback you had gotten from Patrick Mahomes about Eric Bieniemy and just what you think about him as a coach. Um, I haven't spoke to Patrick about Eric, um, but I've known about about Eric. You know, from what I hear from guys that play on that team, he's a great guy, he's a fun guy to be around, very creative. Um, everyone likes, likes them. I haven't heard anything bad. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. So, 
Yeah, I haven't, I haven't spoke too much about that. Gotcha. And with Chad and also Kiki, what have you thought about their development now that they have the preps and that you've had a few weeks with them? Just what do you think about the way they played and the timing that you're starting to build with them? I mean, both of those guys are just growing as confidence, uh, confident players, and that's what it, that's what this league is about: confidence and going out there, being as detailed and sharp as possible. And both of those guys are going to continue to grow, just like myself. And um, you know, I'm happy for those guys that have the opportunities that they have and, and make something out of those opportunities. So, um, you know, there those guys are always working each and every day, and you know, trying to do whatever they can to make this team win. JJ Watt said, "There's obviously things that need to be changed." There's going to be a new regime in here doing those things. But when you have a quarterback in this league, you have a chance. When you got a guy like four, you're going to have an opportunity to change things very quickly. What does that mean to you coming from J.J.? I mean, it means a lot. Um, he actually told me that in person, looked me in my eyes and told me that. Um, and and it means it means the world from coming from a Hall of Famer guy who who's played a lot of different – lot of football um, at the very, very, very highest level um, like he still is today. And I mean, it just it boosts my confidence and my will, and just my, I guess, me as as a as a teammate. Um, and that's what I that's the energy I want to continue to give off, regardless if I'm on the field, off the field. It's hope, and um, that's what I live by, and that's what I, you know, present to people. It's giving them hope, giving them opportunities to be able to go know that every time I'm on the field, that we can have a chance to win. When did he tell you that, and how did it how did it how did it happen to come up? I mean, we're just talking. We're just kind of just casually talking. But he told me that uh, sometime earlier this year. Uh, I mean, there's been hints of, of the course of my my career, you know, been here, you know, from us, you know, rehabbing together from my knees and, you know, throughout the course. But, you know, this year was um, when he when he said it again was, you know, more like a longer conversation where we, you know, kind of sat down and just talked about, you know, the future. I was going to say, depending on what happens with the, the coaching staff, you could be on your uh... – third play caller in, in five years next year. What, how, if at all, do you think that is a, a going to affect or has affected uh, your, um, just your development as a quarterback in this league? Not at all. I've been getting better each and every year. Uh, my main focus right now is the Indianapolis coach with Tim Kelly and uh, the staff here. Um, I'm not really focused on, on that right now. I'm just finishing out this last three weeks and uh, being the best player and, and play caller that we can be. Deshaun, are you worried about the way y'all played in uh, Chicago could be the way you play the rest of the year. Uh, that was definitely a um, an embarrassing uh, performance, and definitely, you know, for me as an individual, I, I can't allow that, especially offensively, but as a whole team. Um, so we we got to go out there with a little bit more pride and a little bit more swagger, regardless of the situation. So um, that's not on my on the in the back of my mind. That's not on the front of my mind either. Um, and we just can't allow that to happen again. With the rotation that's been going on at left guard, does that affect anything in terms of timing and just the protection? And ideally, how much would you guys like to see someone you know, be the primary guard and be out there you know, each week? I mean, that's the plan uh, to have somebody out there. Um, but, you know, that's more of a question for one of those, you know, one of the old linemen, um, LT Nick. You know, Zach Titus, one of those guys that that that's playing a position with those guys. Uh, for me, whoever's in there, you know, we have the same standard, and you know, make sure we tell the protections and and get the heights and things like that right. But yeah, that's more for for the old line. That's an old line question. Sean, you guys just played the Colts, obviously, and it was a very disappointing ending. 
does that do anything for you guys emotionally, just that it's that fresh in the mind? Obviously, it was a crushing defeat, but then to play them again and get another shot at them, what is the what is kind of the feeling for you uh, heading into this game? Go out there and, and try to get a W. That's the biggest thing. Not worried about that that ending of that loss, and then we can't worry about last, last week against Chicago. We just got to continue to push forward and focus on the new opportunity, new the new game that we have now. So, Deshaun, if you are going to play these last few games and everything, what can you do to protect yourself and, and try to make sure that uh, make sure that you come out of this thing unscathed? Continue to play like I'm playing. Don't get hesitant. Don't don't try to do anything different. Uh, you know, just continue to play like I'm playing because that's that's just, that's what's been keeping me healthy. You know. There is the man, Deshaun Watson. Speaking of the man, the man, capital T, capital M, Mark Vandermeer will join me next. We share a lot of memories from 2015. Tell you why, right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter, and pleased, as always, to be joined by my good pal, the voice of the Texans, he is all thawed out from his trip to Chicago. I mean, wait, no, that was me. It's now Mark Vandermeer joining me. Mark, how are you doing, my friend? Johnny, I'm doing great, but I'm not thawed out because I live in Houston, Texas, on this very day where it's a little nippy, but we shouldn't complain because if yeah. people from Chicago actually heard this, they'd say, what? This is a yeah. beach day for us. We'd be on Lakeshore Drive walking in our tank tops, really enjoying the weather, <laughs> and uh, I guess we shouldn't complain. Yeah, we definitely don't complain too much. I said it to start the show. This is one of those days that you live in Houston for. You go outside for a five, ten minute walk or more. I mean, it's up to you. Whatever you want to do with it is totally fine. You go out there, but hopefully, hopefully you were able to enjoy it. Even at night, even right now, you can go out and get a walk in. It's not too bad. There won't be wind. I mean, it, it'll be very, very nice. So just appreciate Houston for all you've got because, like you said, you could be in Chicago where it's probably in the 20s uh, or it's snowing like it is in my parents in Wisconsin right now. So you could have that, but you don't because, you know why you live in Houston. Now, if you're listening on podcast and you're hearing that going, well, I live in Siberia. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't help you with that. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, mean, I, I really can't. Uh, Mark, there's a lot, a lot going on. And we're gonna, I'm going to try and hit on us much okay. as humanly possible, but one of the biggest pieces of news kind of came down, I think, early this morning. I don't know who was the first to report this. I believe it was Schefter. According to his sources, Lewis Riddick, who we see in here on Monday Night Football. Now, we haven't, I don't think, because we haven't played Monday Night Football this year. Right. But if you've watched uh, Monday Night Football at all, you've heard mm-hmm. Lewis Riddick uh, on the air, and he is and has apparently – Interviewed for the GM job here in Houston. He is also apparently going to interview in Detroit, where Detroit made a very interesting move in hiring uh, Chris Spielman to be, I believe, their, their Jamie Roots in some sense, it mm-hmm. sounds like. Um, so that's more of a football-y. Yeah, 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 except, yeah, exactly. So Riddick interview here. Riddick interview in Detroit. Apparently Jacksonville wants to talk to him as well, but he hasn't confirmed up anything there in Jacksonville. Mark, we do the segment called Gut Reaction. Your gut reaction to hearing that news or reading that news that came out from, I believe it was Schefter and other sources as well. Well, you know, the funny thing is, Johnny, a, a couple of weeks ago, I don't think anybody was thinking about Lewis Riddick as a candidate for 
GM, right? For I'm not saying this team, or yeah. I was thinking for any team. I didn't see his name out there yeah. on the list. You know, we were talking about guys who were uh, maybe, you know, Ballard's number two and Chris Greer's number yeah, two and pe yep. people yep. like that, or maybe a John Dorsey or people like that. Right. Uh, I like Lewis Riddick. I think, uh, first of all, I like this booth. I know they're not perfect. Levy makes some mistakes. Yep. Uh, Greasy makes some mistakes. They've had some moments I know they'd want back. I can evaluate them as broadcasters a lot better <laughs> than uh, football uh, talent pickers if yeah. you will talent um, evaluators yeah. but look i i like his demeanor you know what i mean yeah. i think that any team that gets him uh as far as the gm show it's going to be great he's got all yes. this national on-air experience I see how you're thinking already i see how you're thinking already well johnny i look at it from my point of view but look we all want to win winning is the most <laughs> important thing um but it's funny you mentioned those other teams all of a sudden like but when, and when a name gets elevated in the news, it becomes this hot commodity, right? Yes. And who yes. knows who else is going to surface during this whole process right. uh, because we're just getting it rolling here. You know, this is the first one, the earlier reports we heard today and everything. It's like, ooh, then it's right. buzzing throughout the day. Uh, look, there's no track record to evaluate here, really. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not like, look, if Rick Smith was going for a job, and he wouldn't obviously get this one, but uh, Rick Smith was going for another job. You've got drafts upon draft. You have drafts for days yeah. to look at and free agent acquisitions to look at and really evaluate. That's the problem with anybody who hasn't drafted before, who hasn't right. gone through multiple drafts. But they could present a plan. They can present, right. this is how I would set it up. This is how I would have set that up. Now, hindsight, obviously, is, is 2020. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if you had a Daniel Jeremiah or somebody like that or somebody with a Harris 100 or whatever yeah. where they could say, look, here's where I had these guys ranked. Bingo. I've got yeah. – I do have a track record to an extent. This was my board, and – this is coulda, woulda, shoulda right here. Now, it's, you know, obviously the universe changes if you're sitting in the seat, but there's something there. Maybe he has some of that stuff, certainly from when he was working in, in football operations in, in front offices. So uh, I think it's intriguing. You know, look, I, I think that uh, it, it's an interesting start, and we'll see where it goes from here. I, what's your reaction? Yeah, it, you know, it's interesting you bring up the Harris 100. So I got, I got curious, like, what, what and where – would I have gone if I just literally just trusted my board? Mm -hmm. I was just kind of messing around looking like, well, all right, let me go back and look at these dresses. If I just trusted my board for what I had in the Harris 100, the final Harris 100, in 2019, for example, our number 23 pick would have been Montez Sweat from Mississippi State. Ooh. 6'6, 260, runs 4'4, played outside linebacker for us. Uh, my buddy's his agent, so I feel like the negotiation would have been gone, gone great. Um, but then at pick number 54, the top player on my board right. was DK Metcalf. Oh, boy. So you would have walked out of there with Montez Sweat and DK Metcalf. <laughs> and at that point, I just stopped because I, I started to kind of cry in my, my beer, uh, my water. I don't drink beer. All right, so this is 2019, but but the O-line, see, here's – if in the interview, it would be like, now what about the O-line? What would have yeah, happened well, then? I can go back. I can go back further because in 2018, uh, my highest-ranked player on the board by the time we would have picked was Zeus Brown, who's now at the Ravens. So, oh, yeah. That's turned out, that's turned out fairly well. So, mm. you know, I – that's the thing. Like, I've gone back. Yes, it's just a media record. But I've gone back and I've looked at mine as well. And I'm just curious mm -hmm. to see. Because I think that's the one thing. When you hire 
somebody in that particular role. Like head coach, I think is head coach is different and unique in some sense because as a head coach, you can say, well, here's my coordinator record and what I've done, and I'm going to call plays. You have no idea how that guy's going to be as a head coach. Right. But you can at least go, okay, well, coordinator-wise, pretty darn good. So you have that, at least that. But when you're taking somebody from scouting or elevating them from a particular position, like you have no idea what that track record is. They may have been very instrumental as it pertains to the draft and pushing particular players that you drafted, et cetera. Um, and if you know those and within the organization, then great. I, I think my favorite story is we, we used to have a scout by the name of Mike Martin, who I think is with the Panthers now. Right. I think he's with I the remember. Panthers. So I was talking to Mike one day. We are just kind of talking about the draft process. And I said to Mike, well, I don't know why we got on this topic, but we were talking about Aaron Foster. And he goes, let me tell you the story about Aaron Foster. And he said, that was my area. And he said, I had a pretty high grade on it just based on a football player. But we were kind of concerned with some of the stuff off the field. You know, he's, you know, Aaron, he's a little, you know, just a little quirky. So he spoke pterodactyl at a press conference. Right. Pterodactyl. Exactly. I, mean, I don't know what that does to your draft grade, but it definitely is some sort of eyebrow raiser. I wonder if this is good or bad, pterodactyl. Turned yeah, out to be a good and thing. So they, and so apparently they get through the draft and they look up and they've got this high grade on Arian. And Mike says to Rick, Rick Smith, and says, hey, man, Arian Foster's still up on the board. I love his talent. And Rick's like, well, go, go get him. And so he called him and got him. And it's like those are the stories that you really kind of need to know. If Mike wanted to be a GM – that's a great story for him to tell yeah. about that. Um, guys that have been GMs before can point their track record. You mentioned John Dorsey. John Dorsey can point to, well, I did this in Kansas City. I did this with the Browns. And the results are right there. Right. You know, the one thing with, with Lewis Riddick is, yeah, he, he can point to his time in Philadelphia. I think that's what it was, Philadelphia. And I think I'm with you. I think if the GM show would be really fun because I, you get him on the mic, he ain't going to be scared. So right. I think that would, be, that would be kind of fun. But just his demeanor, um, how he delivers his message on Monday Night Football, I think is, is very well received. Uh, and I, I like listening to him. I think he's got uh, good plans. It's been seven years, I think, since he's been in, in scouting. So how have things changed? But at least he's got sort of a track record to say, hey, look, when I was this role of Philadelphia – I was instrumental in finding these players and, you know, here's my evidence, et cetera. Has he ever been the guy leading a draft? I don't know. Um, that always seemed to be uh, Andy Reid when he was in Philadelphia or, or right afterwards uh, it was Chip Kelly who was instrumental in doing that. But it's intriguing because it's a name that a lot of people know in large part because A, he's been on ESPN and then B, he got put on Monday Night Football this year. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting, Mark, going into 2021, just all the different new machinations uh, heading in. It's going to be, woo, it's going to be exciting. There's no doubt about that. I mean, his, all right, so Washington Redskins as a scout, director of pro personnel, Eagles, scout, assistant director of pro personnel, director of pro personnel. So uh, nice little resume for him and uh you know sometimes i think guys who are in broadcasting for a while if they're working hard at it you know people people like you who really look at the talent and yeah. really evaluate the talent on top of being on the air uh I, I think that that could be a good thing so who knows and again uh, apparently there's some demand out there or some interest some curiosity so we'll yeah. see how it plays out and as we said it's a process so 
uh, you're going to see more reports. You're going to hear more things in the next few weeks. So I just thought it was uh, that was an eye opener today. Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, Mark, one of the the things that I always I always think about. I want to do a little bit of Texans all access story time. Okay. Can we do a little Texans all access story time? Let's do it. Story time. Okay. What story here's, are you telling? <laughs> yes. Here's the story I would like for you to tell. Okay. The first win ever at Indianapolis in 2015. The first win ever. Well, Johnny, you would know, let's see, the Patriots Sunday night game was right before, was it not? Uh, it was, I, it was Patriots. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it was, yeah, I think it, you're right, because we went to Buffalo. I remember they, they flexed the game mm-hmm. with the Patriots to Sunday night before we went to Buffalo. And right. so everybody's all excited about New England, then we forgot about Buffalo, and then Buffalo beat us. <laughs> forgot and about then Buffalo. we played the Patriots on a Sunday night. So now at that point, yep. we're six and seven, uh-huh. and we're getting ready to go to Indianapolis. Yes, that's yeah, correct. That, and that loss to the Patriots was a bludgeoning. That was 27 to six, and Brian Hoyer got concussed again. Yes. Right. So there it yes. was. That's two concussions on the year. The first one happened against the Bengals on a prime timer, Monday night football. Yep. We know what happened. The Patriots, there was no comeback. And there you go to Indy and you're starting TJ Yates again. And you're hoping that where's the Yates magic? You know, sometimes we think about going to Indy and we think, oh, Yates was in there for the whole time since Monday night football and the Jets. and all. No, Hoyer came back. They beat the Saints. And we just went over the rest of it. So yep. there you are at Indy with TJ Yates. We're thinking you can win a game with TJ Yates. You yep. beat the Jets at home. Uh, the Colts aren't that great, but Hasselbeck in a diaper got us earlier in the year. Never beaten Indy in Indy. Can it happen? Yates takes off on a running play, right? Yep. And bangs up the knee and he's out. And now Brandon Whedon has to come in, who, by the way, is a great answer to a cr- trivia question. Who's the only player to ever start games for the Cowboys and the Texans in the same Ooh. season at quarterback, right? So, yeah. Whedon, who was let go from the Cowboys, Texans get him. And, look, it was a great acquisition. That was a great in-season, I-need-a-quarterback-for-emergency-purposes acquisition. He's got first-round talent, arm talent. I mean, he was drafted in the first round. And here's Brandon Whedon on your roster. And now you desperately need him at Indy. And they're trying to slug their way through a game. Now, they played defense well enough. Well enough to slow them down and the highlight. And we are hearing that highlight again this week because the Texans are going up to Indy and they've won three of the last five up there, which is just incredible when you think about that, considering they hadn't won there until 2015, but I'll never forget the pass to Jalen strong, able to win that. And just Johnny, cause like so many games as an announcer, as a fan, you feel the same kind of thing, which is just, you know, you're white knuckling your way through the fourth quarter, like yep. a stop after stop that you're making. And every first down is crucial. Every stop, every third down that they have feels like the end of the world is about to occur. And, you know, finally, finally, you get that stop. Finally, you get that win. And I'll never forget. I've told it many times, but I'll never forget it being over. And they did it. And, and I just felt so elated. And after the game, there's always this long commercial break where I'm able to go uh, to the restroom after the yeah. game because that might be needed, you know, after like, all right, let's get out of here. And I just opened the, pre- the uh, radio booth door and I raised my arms in the air like triumphant. <laughs> and 
you know, so unprofessional, really, for a radio announcer. <laughs> like, you know, it's a press box. You're supposed to be objective. Uh, yeah. Not in your booth, but once you get out of the booth, objectivity, yeah. please. But yeah. I couldn't help it. I was so happy. Not too many people saw me do that. You know, but some Colts people probably. And it was, yeah. it was probably distasteful to them. But come on, you guys have won every game in Indy since 2002. RCA don't beat downs. Lucas yeah. Oil Stadium beat downs. And finally you break through. And Johnny, I've thought about it. And you and I have talked about that game and that season for a long time. That is my favorite Texans win. It might not be the best win right. they've ever had, but it's my favorite win because it was so special. And I know a lot of the fans here, you know, they watch the games on TV, listen on the radio, but you know, to go up there and always lose from 2002 through 2014, always lose and come close a few times, but always lose. And then to finally break through, was phenomenal, and then you're going to win the division because you hadn't won the division since 2012. You had the winning right. season in 2014, but you didn't win the division. So, Johnny, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. No, that's my story, and I just love that yeah. day. I'll always remember that. Well, I, you, I think you know the story. Now, some people have heard this story. Some people haven't. You mentioned the Jalen Strong touchdown. So, on that Jalen Strong touchdown, it's – obviously, I'm, I'm standing right at the goal line. And so I'm watching this whole thing unfold, and it literally is feet in front of me. And, I mean, I, I can see everything, and I can see that Jalen is about to score. But there are, there's a mosh pit of bodies diving. Dequell Jackson is diving. There's another Colts defensive back diving. So there's, like, all these people diving for the pylon, basically. And so right before the play, I've never done this, but I was behind the yellow line, no doubt. I, I even made sure I was. And I said, the side judge was in front of me, like directly in front of me. And I moved just a little bit to get out of his way. And I just said, for some reason, out loud to him, I think because I was nervous, I just said, you got a lot of room over here. So when that place is literally coming right at me, I see Jalen score. And I, down in the field, I just, I just jump up in the air. And, like, with excitement. Well, with that whole mosh pit of bodies, that side judge, like, worked his way back into the, behind the yellow line, basically. And so when I'm landing, and, I mean, I've got all of what, a two-inch vertical at this point. When I land, I literally – he's in my lap, basically. So as I land, instead of just landing like a normal jump, I land like I'm going to, like, air hug him. Like, I'm going to give him a COVID hug <laughs> that we really don't contact one another. So my arms go out wide, my legs spread, I land, I never touch him, and then I realize, okay, I have an, okay, and I just take off running to go kind of get out of the way, but also kind of to celebrate. So I'm like, okay, but I knew I was where I was, I needed to be. I knew I was fine. Right. So then at at the right before the kickoff, he he walks over to me and he goes, he kind of has this little sly smile, and he goes, I felt you. And I was like, I was like, sir, I didn't, I didn't touch you at all. And he goes, he goes, no, no, no. He goes, no, I know that. He goes, but we were awfully close to one another. Yeah. And he just kind of looked at me, smiled, and walked away. And I was like, you know what? Today, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't care. Because if we finish and win this game, it'll be the first time we've done this ever. That's fine. I'll have a story that I'll take to my grave with that one. And I played this on replay on Tuesday night, Mark. and. To me, your final call is fantastic. 
But when A.J. Boye picks off the pass to win it, mm. that's when it's like, we've done it. Because all we got to do at that point is take, take a knee and it's, yep. and it's over maybe once or twice. I can't remember. But I remember you threw it down to me. And I'm watching the sideline. Like, I'm just watching everybody on the sideline. And I see everybody over there. Got, you know, people that have been there forever. You know, people that, you know, the, the general public may not know. Doug West, Jeff Kaplan. They've been there forever. Um, even some players that have been around for a long time. And they're just hugging one another and smiling. And it's like, they've never done that in Indianapolis. You know, yeah. they've never done that in Indianapolis. And I just thought that was such a cool moment. It was so and good. It was just my second trip up there. But having watched all of those games over the years, there was just such frustration. And I know there was frustration amongst everybody in 2014 like that should have been the year but then Fitzy got hurt 17 10 that loss yeah. I mean right there and, with yeah with uh, exactly. Savage coming in and not playing you know I mean he's a rookie getting you know, coming off the bench so he had no reps boy Johnny we we've always talked about it if Fitzy stays upright in that game if he's able to play the whole game I'm not saying you automatically win it but you got a pretty good shot because the defense was dialed in that day holding them yeah. you know an Andrew Luck team that yeah. would eventually go didn't they go to the AFC Championship game that year? Yeah, in 14. Yep, they did. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know the the one we're talking about the 2015 one, 16 to 10 the final. That's one of those scores where if I could just say the score of a game like 30 to nothing, you know what that is? That's the Chiefs playoff <laughs> game. If I say 1916 it's Dallas Sunday yeah. night overtime. Yeah. If I say 1910 that's obvious. You know there's certain all you have to do is say the score. 10 to 6, that's right. the Bengals Monday nighter. Yeah. You just know what game it is. Not all scores have that kind of longevity that kind of memory recall but certainly this one does at 16 to 10 yeah no doubt about it mark ah that was fun i appreciate you going me down memory lane and hopefully we'll have another one on sunday against the colts in 2020 thank you my friend let's go damn right let's go let's go beat the colts on sunday all right it's time for this week's Stats Challenge brought to you by Schlumberger. Visit HoustonTexans.com today to register to take the Stats Challenge. And for this one, I give you a number. And it's 341. No, it's not an area code. 341 yards is what Deshaun Watson passed for the last time the Texans played the Annapolis Colts just two weeks ago. He did it without Will Fuller. He did it without Kenny Stills. He did it without Randall Cobb. He did it with Brandon Cooks, Chad Hansen, and Kiki QT. His tight ends, his running backs, that's what he did it with. And here's hoping Sunday there's more of that if needed. Let's see more points. 341 yards is a pretty big matzo ball against that defense. No doubt about it. And that is our stat challenge brought to you by Schlumberger. All right, we get back. We are going to... Here from number 99, J.J. Watt. He met with the media today as well. Let's see what he's got to say next on Texans All Access. Fun Texans All Access. Fun Texans All Access. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Apache Corporation. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now here's the show. 
We are getting near the holiday break for all of you teachers out there, but I have something for you, especially those that teach third and fourth graders. You want a little Texans football in your classroom? Of course you do. Then I need you to sign up for Toro's Math Drills presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills, the video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Now, somebody that I, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter, know would be a really good teacher and would be really fun teaching math is J.J. Watt. He sat with the media today to answer all of their questions. Let's take a listen. In Chicago, could be the way you play the rest of the season instead of the way you played against the Colts. Um, I hope that's not the case. I mean, we're going to go out there and try and win the game. What do you have to do individually to make sure that doesn't happen? Make a whole lot of plays. That's what I have to do. JJ, how involved in the – how much do you pay attention to the process the team's going through of hiring a new general manager and a, and a new head coach, and, and how involved would you want to be in that process? I'm just doing my job. I'm coming to work. I'm trying to get better on the field, and I'm trying to make plays to help us win football games. That's all That's all I can do. Losing Brandon and, and Justin – how do you guys feel like you'll take uh, – <clears throat> what will it take to make up for some of those losses and just uh, your thoughts on kind of the impact of not having those two guys? Yeah, I mean, we've lost, obviously, a lot of guys throughout the whole year, um, whether it was it's starters, it's backups, it's injuries, it's suspensions, whatever it may be. Um, there's obviously been a whole lot of depletion. Um, so you got to find a way, go out there, next man up, step in, do their job, and try and win a football game. And a lot of guys will – Obviously, we want to pick up the slack, but uh, what have you seen from Ross uh, Blacklock? Is his progression and uh, Ross said that you know, he would see an increase in playing time likely? Yeah, I mean, if he gets more reps, more opportunities. Um, so the only way you can get better in this league is, like I've said the whole season long, is to play football. So more game reps, more opportunities to prove what you got and uh, opportunities to get better. JJ, what's the toll that this is taking on you? I figure once you get on the field, it's just playing football for you. But in between, what's the toll that all of this is taking on you this season? Yeah, I mean, it's just every week is something. Uh, I think that's, you know, kind of been um, – it's just that's it's kind of what it's been. Um, whether it's articles or it's suspensions or it's whatever it may be. I mean, every week it seems like there's been something. Um, and you just want to play football and you want to be winning. And it's a lot easier to deal with things like that when you're winning. Um, so when you add losing to the equation and then you're dealing with coaching searches and all this other stuff as well, it's, um, it is obviously just a compounding effect. Um, this season hasn't gone how we had hoped it would. It hasn't gone how I hoped it would. Um, like I've said all year long, the expectation um, – this should be nowhere near the expectation, obviously. I don't believe it is. But, uh, yeah, it certainly, it certainly hasn't been enjoyable, that's for certain. JJ, I'm way off topic here, man. How, much, how would you describe the fanfare uh, when you signed your letter of intent? And uh, what stands out as you remember that day, which is so significant for so many people uh, in high school football? Um, I'm from Wisconsin, so the fanfare wasn't nearly what it's like down here in Texas. Um, but it was still a special day. Uh, obviously, it's an opportunity to it's a dream. You know, it's a dream come true. Um, it's it's a, a testament to everybody's 
work not only we we're just I was talking out on the field today about the people that make successful people successful it's never just one person it's coaches it's teammates it's parents it's um, teachers it's everybody friends um, and so National Signing Day is a culmination of all that for high school kids. So many people help get them to that point to make them successful and to give them that opportunity. Um, but I always, whenever I'm talking to a high school kid that's moving on to college, I always say National Signing Day is an incredible day. It's There's fanfare, there's TV cameras, there's everything. Um, but don't let that be the highlight of your career. Go out there and make new memories and make new great uh make new stories and have new successes. Um, I think that's what makes people truly successful is when you're striving for that next success. Did you do that long enough ago that, that uh, you've still faxed in uh, old school fax to get that into the school? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how to operate a fax machine. Uh, it was, it was, it was a little, thankfully it was a little outdated even near my time. So I'm okay with that. Is there any advantage to playing a team two times in three weeks? Um, I mean, if there is, they have the same advantage. So um, I don't think that there's necessarily an advantage from one team or another. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of similarities. Nobody's changing their entire playbook in a two-week time period. Um, but there's also a chance to switch things up if you want to, try and catch them off guard. They can try and catch us off guard, whatever it may be. Um, but there is a familiarity, and there is a you still have some of the plays and memories in, fresh in your mind um, that you can go out there and, and uh, hopefully either make them right or continue the success you had. JJ, what have you seen from Corey and what he's added to the team since he's been on the active roster? Yeah, I mean, he's a veteran guy. Uh, we came in the same draft class, um, so he has a lot of experience. He's had a lot of success in this league. So um, I think that he's he wants opportunities, obviously, as he should. I mean, that's what you guys want to get on the field, want to play. Uh, he had the sack in the Cleveland game, which is great. Um, and, and he's he's a great player. So I think with opportunity, he, he plays well. And I think he also is a good resource for some of the young guys, too. JJ, what do you make of you guys being the same team that almost beat Indy and really just came one, you know, one play at the end away from having a chance to do that and then also being the same team that, that did what it did in Chicago? And do you take any, uh, I guess, kind of solace in the, or, or any kind of confidence in the fact that you guys were able to do what you did against Indy? Well, I mean, to say we're the same team is a, is a pretty big stretch. Um, but there's obviously been a lot of things that have changed in that time period. Um, a whole lot of things that have changed. Um, so uh, it's a much bigger conversation for another day, certainly. Um, but there's I've, I've said it before, you know, you got a quarterback in this league, you got a chance. And um, there's obviously things that need to be changed. And, and there's going to be a new regime here doing those things. Um, but when you have a quarterback in this league, you have a chance. And so you got a guy like four, um, you're going to have an opportunity to change things very quickly. There he is, number 99, J.J. Watt, having met with the media earlier today. All right, we're going to close this thing now with my good friend Drew Doherty, and we'll go in the lab holiday style. Yeah, that's next on Texans All Access. We got one final segment left here on this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and one half of the In the Lab podcast. And I will fully admit to you that Drew Doherty and I, on this edition, stared at each other for about three or four minutes on the Zoom call and went, What are we going to do? And we thought about quoting Christmas movies or holiday movies the entire time. And we thought, No, that's probably not the right way to go. What should we do? Well, then we got an idea. Well, Drew got an idea. And then we ran with it. 
and we started giving out gifts. Stocking stuffers and a gift under the tree. Thought it was a pretty good idea. Here's our In the Lab podcast for this week. Check it out. Since it's the season and you love Santa Claus and I love Santa Claus Ooh, and we all love yeah. Santa Claus and Santa's coming to this house, I think, because yes. uh, there's been four little good boys and girls at, at the yes. household. And uh, I think it's going to be a good Christmas. What do I want from Santa football-wise? What do Ooh. you want from Santa football-wise? If, if you could put an idea under the tree and wrap it up in a present, what would you like to unwrap the morning of December 25th? It could be short-term. It could be long-term. But what would you like for Christmas from Santa for your Houston Texans? Man, that is – that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, I'd like to think short-term and long-term. Yes. Let's do that. But I'm going to start. Stuffer, a stocking stuffer and then the, the gift that takes up half the living room. Ooh. One of those okay. types. You know? Okay. Um, boy, man, now you got me thinking because I had a gift and I'm trying to think, do I want it to be my main gift or do I want it to be my stocking stuffer? Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go – okay, I'm going to go main gift. I'm going to think about my stocking stuffer. Here's, here's my main gift. I want a travel corner. A what? Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Oh, a I travel know. corner is a Jalen Ramsey, is a Tredavious White, who, by the way, I, I, I was reminded of this the other day. I think Tredavious White's hilarious. And he has started this. I don't know how he started it. But I guess because he's in Buffalo, he started to have this love for hockey now. And he has this Tredavious White goalie academy. <laughs> and so they showed last year on Sunday night, they played the Steelers at Pittsburgh and, you know, they do the, uh, you know, Drew Doherty, SMU, John Harris, Brown University. And he gets to Tredavious White. He's like Tredavious White or Trey White, Tredavious White goalie Academy. <laughs> Those guys are travel corners. They travel with the best receiver on the other team. You just throw and, them out there. You leave them alone. You don't have to worry about them being a part of the game plan. It's right. Do your thing. And yep. we'll let the other 10 worry about the defense. Darrell Revis, you know, those guys. And the thing about it is, you know, Darrell Revis was a top 12 pick. He wasn't like the top two pick or top three pick. Texans could have taken him. Yeah. But it's going to be somebody that can travel with somebody. Now, Bradley Roby has done it. And I think he's done it um, pretty, pretty well at times. But Robe's not a, not, a, not a big guy. And so sometimes bigger receivers, you're a little more hesitant in putting him on. But I think back to that Packers game and Devontae Adams is just – I mean, he's throwing moves on guys. And I'm like, man, Darius Slay used to be on Devontae Adams, and they would battle one-on-one. -on -one. Jalen Ramsey, DeAndre Hopkins would go at it one-on-one. -on -one. Those were great. Those were great battles. Great battles. The Ramsey Hopkins battles were tremendous. Each Ramsey side would won get some, each game. Yeah. Yeah. Ramsey would get some. Hop would win some. I mean, it was a great battle. But Jacksonville knew, look, we have somebody that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Hopkins. And I feel like that's the kind of guy that if we had a guy that could step in and say, you know what, I'm locking it down. Who you want it to be? You want it to be T.Y. Hilton? I got him. You want it to be uh, uh, DJ Chark, Jacksonville? I got him. If you team that kind of guy with Roby, then all of a sudden you look up and go, okay, all right, let's, let's give our pass rush some time to get back there because we got two guys – they're going to make it very difficult for you, get the, for you to get the ball off exactly when you want to get it off. So is this your stocking so, stuffer or is this your big room gift? That sounds like a big Okay, you know gift. what? 
That's going to be my stocking stuffer. That's going to be my stocking stuffer. Now give me a second to think about my main gift. Okay. Well, I was thinking for my stocking stuffer, I was thinking smaller. Um, okay. But you're, you must live, you I must have grown up in a, in a luxurious household getting stocking stuffers like that. Yeah. My stocking stuffer, uh, we got those like cellophane packs of gum, you know, like a three pack of gum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we got like, um, you know, some chocolates. So my stocking stuffer, I'd like it to come early in the form of a win over the Colts and later in the form of a win over the Titans. It'd be cool to beat the Bengals. And yeah, I want to win every game, but I just really, you know, the, the chips are kind of stacked against this team right now. Yeah. But I'd really love to screw with those two teams. And I don't know how much yeah. it would really matter, but yeah. just seeing them lose and reminding folks that they're not world beaters, the Colts yeah. and the Titans, because some folks think that they are. So that's, that's my stocking stuffer. But I, Man, my stocking stuffer really pales in comparison to your stocking stuffer because uh, well, it would be awesome to have a guy like that on this team. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. So pair him up with Roby. Yeah. But but he, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna understand why you understand why a travel corner had to go in my stocking because my big gift mm -hmm. is actually a about half a ton okay and it is guard center guard the interior that will keep deshaun protected for the next dozen years yep and, and it could be some of the guys that are already here it could be some of the guys that are here it could, be some, it could be reconfigured a little different way potentially right. it could be that but I want about a thousand pounds, well, a little less maybe, of guys that protect Deshaun in the middle. Because look, with Titus Howard and, and Laramie Tunsil, they're you know those two guys are going to have to be the rocks on the outside. They're going to have to be the foundation going forward. And I think, you know, with Laramie, I, I think Laramie would tell you that Sunday was not his best day, but on his best day, Laramie to me is the best tackle in the league, on his best day. And I think Titus is on his way. I think Titus has got some things that he's got to work on, but you're not going to change those two tackles. No. The offensive line needs some help, and we need to run the ball. And it's not one of those, we need to run the ball through between the tackles, because the thing is, you know, when you think about the best running offense that this, this organization has ever had, Drew, you had an up-front up seat, and that was Wade Smith, Chris Myers, Mike Brizel, those three guys at guard center guard. Now, those guys were under 1,000 pounds, and – Arian ran it between the tackles because those guys did such a good job of just staying on blocks and keeping guys where they wanted to go. And then Arian, they that allowed Arian to make his cut. So I had to make this my big gift because I couldn't fit, I couldn't fit a thousand pounds into a stocking. Yeah. But I think going into you know finishing this year, going on into 2021, that's an area of the team that I think has got to be even better than it's been, whether it's reconfigured, whether it's the three guys that are there. But, you know, the other aspect, uh, and they've been kind of moving in different guards. One week it's Sharping. One week it's, like last week it's Quali. One week it's Kelamete. And I understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to win games. So you're trying to play the best guy. But there's got to be a continuity in that five up front. And there have been times this year when that continuity has been disrupted. And then you can see there's been a communication mistake. And that's, that's been unfortunate. And so I want to have that continuity, but I want those three guys up front to be able to mash a little bit in that we 
find a running game, but we're not going to find a running game until we find the interior three that fit absolutely perfectly um, for this offense. And look, we don't know what the offense is going to look like. It might be a, it might be a LaFleur, Shanahan, uh, McVay-like offense. It could be something like what Andy Regional. We, we have no idea what this offense is going to look like. But either way, whoever takes over as the head coach, offensive coordinator, is going to absolutely, without question, need to have that interior locked down. So I'm going to ask for it for Christmas for 2020 and let that bleed into 2021 and beyond. That's cool. I like that. It's a good gift. Um, I do think – I think whoever takes over when that happens, I think the offense is, is going to get better. I think it's going to get yep. simplified a bit. And that's not, that's not to say it's going to get dumbed down. I right. just think sometimes, like Occam's razor, simplest is the best. It's the straightest right. point. And I think that's going to just – like if you've liked what you've seen from Deshaun this year – just wait. I mean, just wait till he gets in a system it's that's going to be kind of catered towards him because yes. this system was in place before he got here. Okay. I love your, uh, your half ton of man muscle uh, there on the offensive side of the ball. You know what I want? I want a statistic. Ooh, ooh. I want on average next season. And, hey, you can start it on Sunday if you'd like and carry okay. it on throughout. I want 12 quarterback hits a game. Oh. Okay. Yes. That's, that's getting greedy, I know. That's okay. But I right. want to freak – I want to say the, the other F word. I want to mess with opposing <laughs> quarterbacks. Okay? Yeah. You'll get some sacks, yeah. You're not going to always get sacks. But if you get 12 quarterback hits, that guy's not going to be that comfortable. That guy's going to make mistakes. That guy is going to check down, and he's not going to check down and have the success that Trubisky had. That was – the defense will say that's unacceptable. We heard Romeo Cornell say it's unacceptable. But if you, if you make a quarterback do what Trubisky did Sunday – in most instances, you're going to walk away a winner by 10 points. But I want to get after the quarterback. We haven't seen it in a while around here. It's been about two years, really. And I want to make these guys uncomfortable. Uh, so give me 12 quarterback. That's, that's probably asking too much. But what we've seen from this, this defense, this front seven this year, has not been good enough. And you they've had to get exotic because a lot of these sacks – think about it. A lot of these sacks have come from safeties. And that's nice. That's fun. That's cool. But let's get back to the bread and butter of the front seven guys, specifically the defensive line yeah. and the outside linebackers getting the quarterback to the ground. You know, too, kind of a kind of a corollary to that, Drew, is you know the the you know the Oilers House of Pain, Bulls on Parade, all that kind of stuff. I, that's not really where I'm going with this, but what I want is when teams see us on the schedule, they go, Oh boy, that's gonna be a physical ball game. Yeah. Like, they know they like, well, we better buckle up, man, because these dudes are going to hit us right in the jaw. And there are teams that you think about like that, the Ravens. Like when you think of the Ravens, whether, whether this is true or not, I mean, they gave up 42 points uh, last night, uh, Monday night. Um, but you think about the Ravens and you go, boy, I need my big boy pads for this one, you know? And like the rest of 2020, you kind of got to put an asterisk on everything. Like yeah. that Ravens, that's an asterisk Ravens team. Like what yeah. we're seeing right now. Yeah. That's a vastly different team than what we saw second week of the season. I mean, just yeah. incredibly different. But it's light years away from what we saw from them last year, which I think was what, anyways. But I just, just want to, and, yeah. and let me be clear about this. I do think some of the guys that are currently on the Texans defense yes. should be a part in no getting doubt. more quarterback hits next year. You can see some development on the way. I do think there's going to be some new faces, though, that got to have and got to make that happen, too. So. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm, I'm with you. And I, I think that there were some personnel losses on defense 
that kind of took away some of the things you're talking about. Um, and I think it, 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 it kind of wore away some of the, the soul of the defense. I used to talk about Brian Cushing. You and I talked about Cush. Cush used to always be the soul of defense. Um, I feel that way about BMAC. And I think missing BMAC – and look, BMAC's, you know, not the, not the greatest inside linebacker has ever been. But for us, BMAC provided a physical presence and he was the leader in the huddle. You did what he said and then he rocked running backs. If you would like to hear the rest of that podcast, I would encourage you to. In the Lab podcast, go check it out wherever your podcasts are acquired, if you will. Stitcher, iTunes, I don't know them all, but you can you you know it better than I do. A big thanks to Drew, to JJ Watt, to Deshaun Watson, to Mark Vandermeer, to DP Sitter, to Laura Overton, to my guys back in studio. We thank you so very much. We'll see you again next time. And as always, go Texans. 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 Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by AWS. Behind every incredible play are thousands of data points you might otherwise miss, such as a player's speed, field location, and movement patterns. The NFL uses AWS to process this large and complex data in real time. It's called next-gen stats, and with AWS machine learning and artificial intelligence technology, the NFL has developed ways to uncover deeper insights and expand the fan experience by offering a broader range of advanced stats and visualizations. Visit nextgenstats.nfl.com for all things stats. Next-gen stats powered by AWS. Now here's the show.